What about then in the sort of the world of international politics with regard to China? Well, I, I was going to say actually on the uh, sort of sport and politics. I mean, there's the classic example of ping pong diplomacy. Uh, for for those who don't know, it's the story of how in the 1970s China and America weren't really talking to each other dip- diplomatically, but they hosted some sort of ping pong event. It happened to be that both teams started talking to each other, and they see and they um, both nations seized on that opportunity to then open up diplomatic relations, and therefore actually becoming not not friends, but at least uh, they were open with each other back in the 70s. Again, you look at it now. And you could all, almost say that, frankly, we're in the midst of a new Cold War. I think Boris Gump played in that, didn't he, that ping-pong game? <laughs> What's slightly interesting is how we can see the sort of the influence of maybe more soft power in whether that's either China or Russia or the West sort of perception over the vaccine rollout. I think it's, yeah, there's sort of, it's really interesting about sort of vaccine diplomacy and how basically until now China hasn't really had much soft power. I mean, essentially, all they've been able to do is uh, intimidate people with military tactics like they're doing with Taiwan and uh, use economic tactics with the Belt and Road Initiative. But now they're finally starting to get more soft power as they sort of go into more institutions and the vaccines. Uh, So, again, they're consolidating in Africa. They're consolidating around the southeast by giving those countries the vaccines that they need. And, you know, Russia are doing it. Frankly, the UK and US are doing it. And I think it's a really interesting dynamic that has only just come into play. So, so we've seen, I think, that the, um, the foreign minister for China did a little sort of nine-day tour of Southeast Asia and uh, Africa. We've seen vaccines go to Pakistan, Turkey, uh, Zimbabwe. Um, so this idea of soft power and then how the West are perceiving this. Universities is clearly another area where China is trying to extend its soft power over the last couple of years. Uh, a China centre has been funded in Jesus College, Cambridge. Only a couple of weeks ago, a tech giant, a Chinese tech giant called Tencent, has funded a sort of multi-hundred-thousand-pound physics professorship at New College, Oxford. Tencent is a, is a games firm, created an app in 2018, encouraging people to clap for Xi Jinping. And so while it might be very important and very useful for hard-hit UK universities to to go sort of cap in hand, as it were, as it were, to Beijing. The impact on academic freedom is is well, we shall see, we shall see. But certainly, it's a very good example, I would say, of Chinese soft power. So, so whether that soft power within Africa, within the vaccines for these countries, uh, developing countries, or indeed in the UK with the influence uh, in universities, Dr. McKenzie. I was just going to add to what Dr. Stanley was saying there. I think, has the Telegraph not done some sort of investigation in the last couple of days um, and discovered that there have been scientists at some of um, Britain's leading universities who have worked on a bunch of projects with researchers at um, a nuclear weapons research institution in China? And so um, it's kind of been being described as a national scandal. I mean, how much more will come out about it, I don't know. But there's been calls to clamp down on risky partnerships, so-called, between uh, academic institutions in the UK and abroad. Um, So I think that's just another sort of interesting insight, perhaps, into the relationship between China and the UK when it comes to uh, universities at any rate. And what about the way that sort of China is, or and or Russia, is sort of being portrayed uh, in the media? I mean, if we all think about um, China, 
what, what Orlando, for example, what, what comes to, to mind about if, if you read articles about China, what sort of perspective do you think you get given or Sophia about Russia? I think of um, mainly sort of dominance, but slightly unknown, to be honest. Um, sort of, they're just, just this huge power that is quite secretive to an extent and no one knows, potentially fearful, who knows, but they're... So your instinct, yeah. Yeah, so your instincts are to be the slightly unknown, fearful. I suppose I would, I'd put it back that if I was to say so, you know, this rollout of, of Chinese vaccines to parts of Africa, to parts that other parts of the developing world. Now, if I was saying the UK was doing that, I think we'd all probably sit around here feeling quite proud. Just by mentioning that China's doing it, do we get some sense that that the motives are slightly less clear, less acceptable? Uh, well, sort of to answer your point, I think we feel fear because I think partially we're quite ignorant because I I don't think we essentially I think it's quite difficult for the for somebody from the West to comprehend sort of a country that is more powerful than them if that makes sense in the global position. Um, so I think, for example, you know Tom, Tom touched upon the whole idea of China and Taiwan. And I thought that was really interesting because that really highlighted sort of um, the whole Cold War aspect. And as a reader, I was sort of sitting there, I was like, oh gosh, yes, that's quite scary or whatever. But then I was thinking about it also in their sort of Confucian ideals where they they essentially view Taiwan as part of their territory. And we can see it as a sort of them being quite aggressive, trying to take back what's not theirs. But I think we also have to understand that, you know, this idea of, community-based sort of principles and local traditions come into play and perhaps govern some of that political sort of incentive, maybe. Dr McKenzie? I was just thinking more about the sort of going back to the vaccines issue, and I think we just are seeing this fascinating development in international relations, which is competing vaccine nationalisms and who has produced a better vaccine and who can roll it out quicker and who can be more humanitarian in the spread of their own particular vaccine. And I just find this quite an interesting development. What does it say about we live in an increasingly globalised world and yet what? how does this reflect upon our attitudes when it comes to globalisation or indeed sort of slightly protectionist attitudes? I just find it an interesting development. Tom? Uh, interestingly, I I forgot who said it, but a Chinese official, when asked, is the Chinese vaccine good by his own people, <laughs> said that, well, would you rather buy an imported car or a domestic car? And mm-hmm. just left it at that. Mm-hmm. And again, tests have shown that uh, Sinovax has mm-hmm. about a 50% yep. efficacy rate mm-hmm. yep. compared to Sputnik, which is much better, uh, AstraZeneca, which is much better. So again, mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of countries getting the short end of the deal if they ever choose the Chinese vaccine because mm-hmm. it's just not as effective. Indeed. So we've got, therefore, China trying to potentially present itself as a solution uh, to, obviously, the, the horrible pandemic we've been through rather than the origin. Um, and very persuasive, of course, for those poorer countries um, with the rollout of the vaccine. And I think the, the final thing I'd just like to say about the, uh, the vaccine is please vaccinate teachers because I've got my 1830 trip to Cyprus book for July and I want to go. 